Hey dreamers, I'm Joe Pardo and my guest today is making her dreams come true by constantly creating opportunities. I am so grateful to have and and be able to call this guest uh, not only an awesome person, but but a friend of mine and, and I'm honored to have her on the show here. Dreamers, I'd like to welcome to the show Jennifer Crawford. How are we doing? Hey, hey, dreamers. Hey, Joe. It's so much fun to be here. I was actually lis- listening to your podcast today. Really? Yeah. Oh, well, absolutely. thank you so much. I, I really do appreciate that. Um, let's jump in. And why don't you give some some background information about yourself? Yeah, sure. I don't know where to start. I won't start from birth because that would be boring, (laughs) but I will include things that might be relevant to your show. I started my first business when I was 19 uh, with $75. I grew that company into a million dollar company. Um, Along the way, it was, I sold it. I've had many entrepreneurial adventures since then. I've had some successes, uh, that was one of them, but I also had a tremendous failure about six years ago where I lost my shirt on a business. I currently, my current business is Social Media Rescue. I'm in my third year and I'm having a blast growing that company and seeing where it's taking me, um, a lot of unexpected directions. And I have a couple of other, uh, businesses uh, that are about to be birthed, uh, if I can use that term when it comes to businesses, and that I'm really excited about. I'm also a podcaster, just like Joe, and I run the DC PodFest, which is a regional conference in Washington, DC. We're in our third year, and it's happening November 10th and 11th. And if you out there are also a podcaster, I'd love for you to join us. I'm a podcaster, and I would love to join you. I would love to have you. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, uh, so podcasting is how how Jennifer and I uh, became friends, and and through uh, MapCon, which is September eighth and ninth, I think that's right. Um, I can't wait! I can't wait for MapCon. I know, and you're you're speaking there. I am. I that's... am. Appar- apparently, I am. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I I hope you know what you're going to talk about. I, I'm. Yeah. I think I do. I'll run it by you later, but I think I do. <laughs> Well, that's that's great to hear. Um, and I got to go to DC Podfest uh, for the first time last year, uh, and it was it was incredible. And and to to your credit, running it for it's it's two days, not three days, right? Two days. Yeah, it's two days. I mean, that's that's. I mean, we're up to a day and a half now, and I'm already shaking in my boots that that that's I gotta make this all happen across a day and a half of time. I really want it to be one day. It would be so much easier for me, but I end up uh, wanting so much uh, content to be in and it won't fit in one day. So it ends up being two days. Yep. And that's how we got to a day and a half of MapCon. It happens. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it's because there's so many people that really love, you know, podcasting and and being a part of the the community and things like that. So, uh, you know... I'm okay with it. I'll survive. It's not a full two days like yours, which again, I I don't understand the amount of energy <laughs> that's got it. That, that goes, well, I know how much energy goes in there because I used to do land parties that, that were three days long and just, you'd be out of your mind by the end of it. 
Yeah. It, oh, it almost kills me every year. <laughs> I assure you, <laughs> I, I need like a week recovery after. I yeah, I, I don't I don't blame you. I don't blame you at all. So why don't we why don't we talk about the steps that you got you took? Um, let's talk about your 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 new business, right? Your your social media rescue. What were some sure. of the first steps you took to get started there? Well, it was an unusual situation in the sense that I'd had um, a business that I had to close because it was financially a disaster. And after running that business, it was a brick and mortar business. And I had never worked so hard. And by the time it closed, I was just tapped out. I was tapped out financially, spiritually, physically. I didn't feel like myself. I was I was in a really bad place. And because of that, I decided to give myself some time to recover uh, because I, I didn't feel like myself and I, I just needed some time and some space. And I had no idea what was next. And so I took, I took that time. And during that, I have had some entrepreneurial friends that happened to be women business owners that were taking me out to coffee because they were picking my brain about uh, Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and they just needed social media advice. And I had grown to love social media because as my business was struggling and the marketing budget was dwindling, I was maximizing social media platforms and organic reach in order to bring people through the doors of my business and to my website. And I had been pretty successful in doing that. I, I read at one point, I think I read the Facebook manual online um, during before I even opened the doors to my business. And so I had become pretty enamored with the power of social media. And eventually, after many coffee dates, one of my friends said, you know what, I just want to pay you to do this for me. And a light bulb went off in my head that it had not occurred to me that I could do this as a job or as a, as a business. And so she became my first paying customer and my other friend came on board. She became my second paying customer and I didn't charge them very much because I asked their permission to make mistakes with them and to, to really prove that I had something of value that I could offer other businesses. And it turned out that it really tapped into what I think my strengths are and I have tons of weaknesses, but I do love to think creatively. I get jazzed about growing businesses. I love entrepreneurs and business owners. I love to work with them. I love getting out of bed in the morning because I know that my job is to help make them more successful. So it just tapped into like everything that I was passionate about. And also, even though it's my business is called Social Media Rescue, I end up doing a lot of um, offline marketing strategy with clients because social media is worthless without it complementing offline marketing, old traditional school, old style marketing efforts. Um, are not dead. They're very much still needed in the real world. And if you're if you're just marketing online, you're falling flat, I guarantee you, you're just minimizing your marketing efforts. So anyway, so that's that's what it's about. I hope you can hear in my voice that I love my business <laughs> a lot. <laughs> I get really excited talking about it. <laughs> Well, I, I mean, as most most business owners do, and and that's um, you know one of the things working with like different clients and even like web clients and things like that. It's like you you hear it um, when they talk about like what are they trying to accomplish and what are they um, looking to to build and the the effect that they're looking to have by say 
having a, a better looking website or having th- this thing and and the the passion that that they have for it comes right out and um because all they want to do is talk about that that thing that that's that's eating at them sure yeah absolutely so so jennifer how, you know so you started your first business when when you were you said 17 oh uh 19 19 yeah um so how did your family take that um my family wasn't sure how to take it because the the business that i started uh was an industry that was fairly new at the time it's it's a well established industry now but um I was in college and I was studying what I thought I wanted to do was be a veterinarian. I'm just a big, big animal lover. You guys don't see this, but Joe and I are on Skype and there are my giant dog is like wandering in and out of the (laughs) view of the screen. He's a rescue dog. So I grew up just loving animals and I thought, oh, I want to work with animals. Uh, If I want to work with animals, the only way to do that is to be a veterinarian. So I went to school to be a veterinarian. Well, I grew, I came from a poor family, come from a poor family. We don't, the blue collar workers, there was no money to pay for college. So I was on, um, I got a scholar, a small scholarship, and then I was on some grants and I was patching together, uh, the money every semester. I was working three jobs while I was in school and keeping a full course load. And one of those three jobs I was working as, uh, at a veterinarian, as a vet, vet assistant. I thought, oh, perfect. This is going to give me all that experience I need to get into vet school. And, you know, life takes turns, you know, turns you can't predict. And what what happened is I started pet sitting for the vet's clients who had sickly animals that couldn't board in a vet, vet's office because it was just too stressful because they were their health was already compromised. And I knew how to give insulin injections and subcutaneous fluids and medication. So I was a good fit and I was, you know, sharing an apartment with three roommates at the time. So I loved getting out of that situation and staying at somebody's quiet house with their dogs or cats and being able to study and concentrate on my coursework. But I kept getting, I started getting busier and busier and busier. And suddenly it occurred to me that, hey, being a veterinarian is not the only way I can work with animals. I can do this. And I ended up dropping out of school I gave up on the veterinarian dream because I had no idea how I was going to pay for vet school. And I realized that even if I could come up with the money for vet school with loans or whatever, I would come out in debt and vets had an income ceiling, right? Like you kind of know how much you're going to make as a veterinarian. And I thought, well, how, you know, how many spays and neuters do I need to do to pay for four years of vet school? It's kind of a lot. So it was starting to not make a lot of sense. And so I started my pet sitting company. It later became a pet sitting and a dog walking company. Um, By the time I sold it, I had 50 employees and I sold it to a competitor. And it ended up, you know, providing me a very good financial income and a very good um, business education (laughs) (laughs) because I learned a lot about, you know, growing a business and training and HR issues and selling a business and what works when you have five employees doesn't work when you have 15, when what works when you have 15 employees doesn't work when you have 40 employees and how to, how to adjust your business accordingly. I learned a lot about systems. So it really, um, it was my MBA in action. And, and 
I mean, obviously you're better off for it uh, because MBAs aren't necessarily going to make you a good business person. <laughs> oh no, I'll I'll, I'll put um, I'll put anybody who's owned a business up against an MBA any day. <laughs> so. So yeah, I, I mean, I, I think um, I didn't actually. I didn't even realize that that's what the the original business for you was. I, oh yeah, mm-hmm. no, I, yeah. I don't think I don't think it ever actually came up in conversation. I knew you had um, businesses, uh, you know, going back to to when you were quite young, um, but uh, you know, I didn't I didn't realize that was the that was the original. How long did that business last for? Um, I had that business for eleven years. Wow. Right. And then uh, when I and there was just a day where I was done, (laughs) I I loved it. And I I had grown it to the point where, you know, I was taking a salary. I had managers. I was only working about 20 hours a week in the business because, you know, it was just running very smoothly. And I think I just I don't want to use the word bored because that might be a little strong. But I felt like I was um just because I had started that business didn't mean I had to do it for the rest of my life. And I was really itchy to, to do, to test my business prowess in other ways and just kind of reinvent myself a little bit. So when I decided to sell it, um, I didn't, ex- I had never sold a business before and I sold it really quickly <laughs> and I, I wasn't expecting that. So I literally sold it and it was like, I had no idea what I was going to do next, but you know, you figure it out. Well, so, so I'm curious though, like what, um, what was the process in thinking for you as far as like, why would you wind up doing that when you could have just held on to it? You know, you're all, if you're only working 20 hours a week, uh, you know, investing that extra, you know, the several extra hours that you have list lying around into something else. Well, I, one, I, I wanted to sell it and get the value out of it. And two, uh, the pet sitting industry is a um, a high liability industry because you have people out in the field that are going in and out of people's homes. They have unsupervised access. And so even though I was only working 20 hours a week, there was always a little stress, a little bit of stress on my shoulders. Like every time the phone rang, I was like, oh, is this going to be the call that like, is the emergency call where the dog got away or the house burnt down or, you know, there's so many things that could happen when you have employees out in the field. And so part of it was I, I had thought that I wanted, you know, I kind of wanted some relief from that stress and a little bit of a break from having all that responsibility on my shoulders, you know, making payroll and all that stuff. Um, I just kind of wanted a break from it, I think. And, um, and I thought that I would, I thought at the time, now that I'm remembering back more clearly, I thought at the time that I might not have another business that I was kind of, okay, this was it. I'm done with the stress. But honestly, it was like within weeks, I was already thinking of business ideas. And, and I think that's when I realized you know what? I think you're just entrepreneurial at heart, and you might as well not fight that. Mm. Yeah, I, I mean that that is uh, very different than I would expect it to have. You know, could go because a lot of it could be like, oh well, you know, you didn't, uh, you ended up regretting it or 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 feeling bad about it. It doesn't sound like you have any regrets. No, absolutely not. No, absolutely not. No regrets whatsoever. I, it was such a great experience. Hmm. 
Well, no, that's awesome. That's awesome to hear. Uh, so, so d- what did your your family think when you when you decide to sell it? Were they like, "What are you thinking? Why are you going to do this?" No, you know, I my family doesn't live or d- didn't and doesn't live in the same state as I do, and um, like I said, they're they're blue collar workers, and I don't think I ac- actually addressed your question about what my family thought. I remember coming home for the holidays to visit my mom and when I had the pet sitting company and she would tell her friends that I was a veterinarian because, you know, it's a, it, she lives in a small town and there really weren't any pet sitters or dog walkers like their their pets were like more utilitarian. It was a lot of farms and that sort of thing. So they wouldn't really understand the pampered pet ideology <laughs> that we're used to <laughs> where I live. So, um, so yeah, I remembered that, but there was no, there was no judgment or anything like that. There was certainly no pressure from my family, um, in terms of like getting a real job. I think they, to their credit, I think they had confidence in me. Well, good. They, they, they were right to do so. <laughs> 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 so, uh, so, so Jennifer, your uh your hobby and I and I've gotten to see you do this uh live is, is improv. Yes, yes. Can you could you could you tell me a little bit about why uh you love it so much? Yes, I can because it's been a very big part of my life for the past seven years. Most people don't know this about me unless they know me well, but I am very much an introvert. And I'm also a shy introvert. And the reason you might not be able to tell is because of improv. It really is. Um, when I I started doing improv when I had the business that failed, which was a co-working space for the creative class. So it was a, a co-working space and we had artists and musicians and performers of all types come through. And one of the things we started there was an improv uh, group. And the first couple weeks when we started it, the instructor showed up and nobody else. And so, or I'm sorry, like one other person. And so I jumped in like just to be a warm body, but completely uncomfortable. I'm I'm not one that typically likes to be out in front. I had never like been on a stage, not, not, and still to this day, I'm not comfortable. But anyway, I started and I grew to love it. And you know, seven years later, that same troupe that was started in that space is still together and we perform every month and multiple times a month and we practice every week together. And the thing about improv, if you have never tried it, the skills that you learn are applicable to your relationships, to business, um, just the the things that you learn to do, the skills that you learn, extreme listening, supporting people, saying yes, and then adding to the conversation or adding to the idea where a lot of times our inclination is to, to say no to everything. It really sort of opens your mind to possibilities and it teaches you to think very creatively if that doesn't come naturally to you. It just sort of releases a lot of um, inhibitions within you. And you rely on other people and other people rely on you. Um, So there's so much trust and support there. And when you learn it on stage, you can you can carry it over to other aspects of your life. So there's the improv story. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I would agree. I mean, I have other hobbies that that definitely carry uh, have carried me in, in business and in life and um 
such as see. DJing, S- DJing, uh, holding, doing events and event coordination, mm-hmm. um, uh, video games uh, be- through LAN parties, through the part of the the event coordination part of it. Um, you know, a lot uh, running, meditation running. through running, right? Mm-hmm. Like. There's and that's one of the reasons why if any, you know anybody that's listened to this show for for a while, um, you know I only a- a- answer, or answered <laughs> added that's the word I was looking for added this question to the to the suite of questions that I ask um, recently and and the reason is because there there is a lot of um, you know breaks are really a good thing right like taking a break and and sometimes the break is longer like in my case with the djing it's been like three years since i've had time to really do anything with it um but i do plan on getting excuse me back to it as soon as i can um i have a lot of ideas floating around up in in the brain um and that i will be be working on at some point but the thing is is like djing doesn't you know pay the bills and i've been working really really hard to to make sure that that's the case (laughs) Yeah, no, I get it. You know, improv really taught me the importance of having a creative outlet outside your business. Because for so many years, like the pet sitting business, that 11 years that I mentioned, I was, you know, all about my business, all about my business. There was a whole like all the pop culture of the 90s, the music, TV shows, movies. Don't ask me anything about what happened in the 90s in terms of pop culture. I have no idea. I didn't watch TV. I, <laughs> I just I just grew my business. And you know, I'm happy that I did it. But now at this stage in my life, I'm looking for a little bit more balance. And I can appreciate what improv um, has done for me, how I would never before improv, I'd never be able to speak at MapCon. And I'm not going to be a great speaker at MapCon. I'm just going to warn you. <laughs> in terms stop, of, I'm not, no, no, in terms of, I'm not a naturally gifted um, public speaker. It doesn't come naturally to me. And I'm not comfortable with it. But just the fact that I can say yes to it, and I can do it, That's because of this silly extracurricular activity. And that helps my business ultimately because I can get in front of a small group of people or a large group of people and I can actually speak, which I couldn't always do. So it really brought home the fact that, you know, these these extracurricular activities don't necessarily have to bring you money because they can bring you skill sets that you wouldn't normally have. You know, there's something to be said there, though, because... I uh, like you. I am a, a and most people wouldn't believe this, but I am I am a bit of an introvert. Uh, I had no idea. Yeah, yeah. So so like getting out in front of people, like DJing, is what helped bring me out to the forefront in that sense of like I'm at a, you know I'm doing parties or up on a stage or whatever and and performing and and those uh, those experiences helped me get more comfortable with with speaking. Like I mean, I, and I, I've done plenty of speaking gigs at this point. But like, I still get nervous, and and I remember I told my my wife this, Melissa, the other day, like I don't know, maybe a couple of weeks ago, that, and you know, she's like, "No, you do not," and I was like, "Yeah, I I really, really like usually it's right before I get started, and just as I'm getting started, I still get like really nervous that people aren't going to be receptive to like this giant slideshow behind me, and that's one of the reasons I go to comedy in my slideshows and in my talks. Uh, not comedy, but but making jokes or make you know using memes or using GIF files or GIFs, however you want to say it, um, to to get uh, uh, you know people to smile and to laugh and to to loosen up because it helps me, it, you know, feel it makes it easier for me to deliver my my message that way. 
Um, and and so I mean, you weren't at DreamCon, but like somebody, uh, one of the people that was speaking there was like, "Man, it was so hard because like I had my whole talk planned out." And then all these other people were talking about the same thing I was right before I went out there, uh, and or like in the in the talks leading up to me going out. And I'm like, yeah, but you gotta understand, like your delivery is so radically different. Like if you go back and watch the DreamCon, and you get the virtual, t- it's like ten bucks on on my website, DreamCon.us. Anyway, if you go back and watch those videos, like every single one of them have their own style, have their own. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, reactions that they're looking to get you know my man Travis is like screaming into the mic uh, and but in a different a much different way than uh, Azuka Zook was literally screaming from the time he got up there to the to the end of the thing like yelling at the crowd to get people to, to really feel it and and I was like man like I would be up there basically saying some of the same things that you're saying but I'd be doing it in a way that it brought humor into it to get people to laugh, mm-hmm. to open up, to to think. Just the same as like comedians, right? Like they drop the the most truth on you, but they say it in a way that makes you laugh. It's like it it, it opens the door to me. It opens the door. Um, so like I'm not going to be on stage screaming at anybody anytime soon to to inspire, but uh. But you know, some it depends on the topic, I guess. But but anyway, my what I wanted to pull, pull, bring up to you, Jennifer, was the fact that both you and I, while we both host um, podcast conferences or our own conferences, mm-hmm. um, neither of us actually speak at our conference. Now, I do do the hosting, which I may or may not do for too many more years going into the future. Um, but. But you you don't do the hosting. I do not. I'm very much in the background of my own event. <laughs> but you know, but but there's something to be said for uh, putting the spotlight on other people. Like I do it from the from the front as the host, and the reason I do it is because you know I want people to you know well I want people to come. People come because of me, and I've been told in the past, like, look, people are only here because of you. Like, this is this is this is your why, and I'm like, well, that's awesome, but like, they're not coming to see me speak, you know? Like, okay, I'm hosting, but like, I'm just introducing right. these awesome people that I'm I'm so grateful to be a part of their their journey in their life. That's it. It's not like, oh, Joe Pardo is going to be speaking. Like, let's pack the house. Like, yeah, okay, that's cool, whatever. Like, I don't have to be. I don't I don't have to be that that in that situation. Yeah, I mean, I think it all it comes down to your the reason you do anything, right? So, you know, the reason I think we both put together independently our conferences was to bring a community of like-minded people together. For me, I when I started it, I was a podcaster and I realized, "Hey, I've been podcasting for at the time it was 5 years, I think." And you know, I don't know a lot of people that do this and I'm really craving talking to other people that do this and, you know, hearing about their experiences and just, you know, being in a room with people that get what I'm doing. And so that's where it all started was really selfishly. I needed that community uh, to, to feel like I belonged to something bigger than my microphones in my dining room. And <laughs> so the whole reason for putting together DC Podfest was to serve that community. Now, if there was nobody else that wanted to introduce people or anything, then I would fill in. But 
to me, my job is to make sure that everyone attending gets um, gets the value that they expect from that ticket price. And so to me, my skills are best served in the background, making sure things are on schedule, making sure that everyone has what they need, that the technical things are, are flowing, that the bathrooms are clean. I mean, I, I'm, I'm taking care of making sure the, ba- the trash cans are, are taken out, making sure the experience goes smoothly for everybody. And if I was, you know, focusing on me by either being a speaker or um, even, t- you know, introducing people to me, that would distract me from that. I, I couldn't do both. <laughs> I don't think I have the the skill set to do both. I can't. I can only multitask so much. And the fact is, there are so many people that that want that opportunity that are are more skilled at it than me. That I would just love. You know, I just love putting in those positions. So, yeah, I'm very. I'm not necessarily the face of DC Podfest, but also I have to think about the future of DC Podfest. I don't want to be so associated with DC Podfest that if I were to ever step down and pass the baton to somebody else, that the spirit of the event would would change drastically well you know hey i mean there's something to be said for uh you know well a being able to do it at all but but b like i mean in my position like where the first two years like doing almost every position (laughs) playing almost every position in the in on the team is is really tough i mean i'm so fortunate like last last year we had uh amy J running the time clock because i it had totally slipped my mind that like i even needed to do that and Mm -hmm. and i actually was sick then too so so um you know running the sound and making sure there's somebody to registration out front and there's so many details like yeah with that said i I like recommending um, like one day conferences um, to to some of my business clients as part of like their marketing strategy, particularly if they're looking to become a leader in their industry or, you know, build their brand authority, because (laughs) it's a great way to bring together a group of people that you want to bring together. But it also it teaches you so many skill sets like it is like owning a a business in a very intense way for a short period of time. So it's also a good way to get your, your, your toes wet, I guess, if your toes in the water of, of entrepreneurship is by running an event like that, because you're going to deal with different kinds of people. You're going to deal with scheduling. You're going to deal with a lot of moving parts, which is really what running a business is. It's juggling a lot of moving parts at one time and making sure that what comes out in the end is profit. (laughs) So, (laughs) So, a conference will will teach you all of that very quickly yes yes it will (laughs) i uh i just want to remind everyone that they're listening to the dreamers podcast i'm your host joe pardo and i'm having an amazing conversation with my good friend jennifer crawford jennifer what's been the biggest roadblock for you in business my are we talking personally i guess you're talking personally um yeah Something that I deal with uh, on a continual basis that I think has at times hurt me and I have to really struggle with is not thinking big enough. You know, sometimes I I stray away from like the bigger clients or the bigger opportunities because I'm not sure self-doubt, not thinking I'm ready you know, not thinking, you know, thinking I need a bigger skill set or a bigger resume. And so so that's something that that 
I, I deal with, you know, I tend to, I started out as a small business owner. I, I, I consider myself a small business owner. I relate to small business owners and sometimes that word small, it gets in the way and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, to make sure that doesn't happen in my current business, but it's something I really have to be conscious of all the time. You know, I, I mean, the difference between you and anybody else is more than likely just the confidence to, to say it, right? Because, um, I sure. mean, if you're doing it every day, like, they're doing it every day, and they probably don't have a magic bullet that, you know, that you don't have. Right, and I can't really explain it because in in many ways, I, I'm not uh, lacking confidence. I mean, I've started several businesses. I think it takes some confidence to do that. Um, I'm not averse to risk-taking, clearly, because I've lost my shirt on taking some risks before. But um, yeah, that that is something that's, a, you know, just my little my 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 albatross that I'm dealing with. I'm sure other people can relate. But yeah, that's it. That's the struggle. <laughs> well, I mean, what, what's what's some of the things you do to to combat that? Um, <laughs> I have to do a lot of self-talk <laughs> to tell myself I'm good enough. Well, um, currently, um, the one way I'm, I'm combating that is I'm, I'm really trying to, um, work on strategic partnerships in my business, uh, which I think is a really great way to overcome that because by partnering with somebody else in a related field where we can, um, mutually benefit each other, um, we become bigger by virtue of coming together. And then I can also, we can tap into each other's resources. So some strategic partnerships are, are working to grow my business bigger and lead to bigger opportunities. So I'm excited about that. Hmm. Okay. All right. So what was your childhood dream growing up? My childhood dream? I don't know how, well, I, I did want to work with animals. I mentioned that one, but because, uh, growing up, uh, we, I was, we were, we vacillated between poor and lower middle class, depending on what year you're talking about. And that introduced some unique stress into my life. Um, just being poor and not knowing how things were going to paid and having to move and that sort of thing. So I was very conscious of the fact that my mom, who I lived most of my, my life with because my parents divorced when I was young, my mom worked really, really hard and has had and has an incredible work ethic. And she would work three, four jobs to make ends meet if that's what was needed. And, you know, she, she refused to go on welfare, even though that probably would have been a good idea at times. But so I learned a great work ethic from her, but I also learned that having a job was not necessarily the answer and that she, I would see her being so loyal to her employers and giving them so much more than what they were actually paying her for. And I remember thinking that I wanted to be the employer, not to take advantage of people, but because I, I didn't want to have that ceiling, that income ceiling over my head. I wanted my income to be dependent on my ability and my hard work and not be beholden to anyone else. So I think early on, I just, you know, that really fed that desire to make my own opportunities, make my own jobs, make my own companies and, you know, fall on my own sword if I need it, if I had to, but 
you know, everything, I wanted everything to come down to me and not be dependent on other people. Mm. That doesn't really, I mean, uh, so, so it doesn't sound like you really, really answered the question, but I guess you, you really, you wanted to own your own business. That was the, that was the dream. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think the dream was not to be poor. <laughs> oh, okay. I mean, Hey, you've had other people say stuff, similar things like that on the show before. I did not want to be poor. I did not want to be, I didn't want as an adult to be in a, a situation um, of, of poverty because it, it does limit your choices. Hmm. So with that said, what are your dreams for the future looking like? Oh my gosh, I've got so many, so many dreams. I uh, I want to continue to grow grow my company and grow my my um, employees. And um, I also am because my company is primarily service based. We're working on some products now to service um, some of our our clients or potential clients that might not have the budget for our full scale marketing services, but they need some help with social media. So we're developing some niche products for them. Um, one of my clients invited me to partner on an idea that I gave her for her company. And, um, it's a subscription box model. Um, but it's also a very socially conscious model and it's a little too early to talk about, but I'm excited about that as well. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. So, how can people connect with you, Jennifer? Get like DC Podfest and Social Media Rescue. Yeah, I'm I'm all over the internet. Uh, you can uh, you can find me on Facebook, Jennifer Crawford. Um, you can uh, Social Media Rescue on Facebook, uh, Social Media Rescue, and that's Social Media R E S Q on Twitter and Instagram. DC Podfest on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Awesome. Well, they should definitely get in touch with you. I hope uh, you do. I would love to talk to anybody that comes from the Dreamers community. <laughs> yes. You know, I haven't referred to it as a community, but I, I, I should be. I mean, we have our own conference now. <laughs> we have our own conference now, and yeah, it, it's uh, the the show. I and I'm so grateful that the show has grown exponentially in the last five months. It's been pretty ridiculous, actually how much the the growth has been. So I, I really do appreciate all that. And I, and I appreciate you, Jennifer, taking the time to, to come and be a guest. And I'd, I'd love to have you on in the future. Um, but before we go, is there any last thoughts you'd like to share? I would just like to share, if there's anybody out there that has a dream of starting a business or creating something, that please don't let money be an excuse not to do it. I started my first business with $75. It grew to a million dollar company. Um, I started another business in two hours by walking out my front door and knocking on doors and offering to clean people's houses. In two hours, I had a business, a cleaning business. So if you're, if you're looking to start a company and you're making, and one of your excuses is, oh, I don't have the money. You please don't let that be an excuse. If you really do want to to start a side business or a business in order to bring some more income and experience into your life, then definitely just get out there and and do it <laughs> and, and just start small and start profitable. Don't think that you need investor money. I think too many businesses think they need investor money and they need fancy office space and they forget the lean and mean model, which is how a lot of real businesses grow. You know, it's funny because today, actually, uh, I don't know if you, you've seen, but the the, the business law, la, lesson vlog episode that just came out was, just, do I need a loan to uh, to start my business? 
<laughs> oh, I didn't I didn't see that, but I will definitely check it out. Yeah, yeah, def- definitely do. Um anyway, Thank you again so much, Jennifer, for taking the time to be a guest on the Dreamers podcast. I really, really appreciate it. And I'd love to have you on the, in the future. Uh, I to, would love to, to come in. back. This was so much fun, Joe. You're, um, you're a great conversationalist and podcast host. And I was lucky to be on the Dreamers podcast. So thank you so much. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. And we waited way too long to make this happen, by the way. <laughs> we did. <laughs> So so if you've enjoyed this episode with Jennifer Crawford, please, 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 you know, you can leave a, a rating and review on iTunes. That's great or whatever. But just share it with a friend, you know, share it with somebody who, who could utilize this information, uh, these stories that are shared on the Dreamers podcast to help in, either inspire them or to keep them motivated to, to going towards what they want out of their business and out of their life and all of that. So, yeah, just share it with a friend. That's all. That's all that I ask. And thanks again, Jennifer. And uh, I'll be back next week with another guest. Awesome. Thanks, Joe. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Dreamers Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Dreamers Podcast. Join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Dreamers Podcast. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the Dreamers Podcast, please send an email to j at jpar.co. This podcast is copyright 2014 by jpar.co.